Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. This is Spilling Royalty with Sean Mandel. So we've been spending a lot of time talking about Meghan Markle, Prince Harry, understandably so, but I think it's high time that we talk about two other prominent royals, Kate and Camilla, the Princess of Wales, Kate, and now the Queen Consort, Camilla, which is something (laughs) I really didn't expect to say for many, many years. Yeah, a lot of people have varying impressions of Camilla. And Sean, you have been a royal watcher since you were, what, like 12? 11. Uh, probably okay, No, 11. before, probably like eight, because by 11, I was all, when Princess Diana died, I was already devastated. So you were it must mourning. have been, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, okay, given that highly sensitive time, <laughs> what were your first impressions of Camilla then? And how have they changed over the years? Uh I, like probably most of the world, did not like her. And she was the other woman. And she was this person who wronged my princess and Mm. was cause of so much sadness for Diana. You know, I mean, Diana famously said in her BBC Panorama interview, which really uh, led to the Queen telling her and Charles to divorce, her famous line was, well, there were three of us in this marriage, so it was a bit crowded. The third person being Camilla. She's just crushing. Just crushing. And, you know, listen, at the end of the day, today, you can, there are still things that we can look back on that Camilla did and, you know, to Diana, not just like generally speaking, but that were, I think, horrible and harmful and cruel um but at the end of the day today where we are is that it's kind of been a journey to acceptance of that this is where we've landed and that you know to some extent I've had to look at it as well from Camilla's perspective and from Charles's perspective that there really was no reason why they shouldn't have been allowed to marry like let's be perfectly frank about that because that's Mm -hmm. you know for our listeners who don't know Charles and Camilla had a romance when they were when she was younger when before Charles had anything to do with Diana romantically but the royal family was not in support of that match and so they were separated and Camilla married someone else but their romance never died died just it you know it continued and persisted and Diana was sort of chosen as this indiv- this 19-year-old girl who fit the bill of what, on paper, what a royal bride should be. But the thing that I've kind of come to think about is how impressive it is that this love story between Charles and Camilla has lasted all these years. I mean, yeah. f- almost... 
I mean, at least uh, 40 plus years Mm -hmm. and that they're still in love with each other. And there is some, I mean, there was collateral damage and I can't really forget that. Yeah. But but I think the other thing too is the other woman always absorbs so much shame, right? Like societal shame that, not that Charles was immune from that. Sure. um, But I do think there's a fair bit of misogyny baked into this as well. Yeah, you know, I mean, Charles was pretty hated, you know, like it's, but it is, listen, anytime, and we've seen this with Megan and Kate, anytime it's a, a, you're pitting two women against each other, it just gets nastier Mm -hmm. than any conversation we're going to have about two men or about, you know, one of the, the one man involved in this situation. So there is, it's quite literally the virgin and the whore. I mean, like Diana was... it's well documented that one of the reasons she was chosen because she was 19 years old. She hadn't like been with anybody and Camilla was the mistress, the quote unquote whore. So it just goes back to these misogynistic, as you said, tropes and ways we think of women. So my opinion has changed. I still have certain feelings, but you know, I do have a more nuanced view on Camilla today. Yeah. Now your view of Kate probably hasn't shifted as dramatically, but no. I am curious, when did you first start sort of like noticing Kate? Because for me it was her wedding day. Like I didn't know much about her before that epic entrance that she made. Yeah, in the perfect Alexander McQueen. Yeah, it was it was circle perfection. pleated dress inspired by Grace Kelly, <laughs> the lace fitted within an inch of its life. I mean, yeah. we could do a podcast on that dress. But um <laughs> I knew about her before, uh, before they got engaged. They were together for seven years. Her nickname was Wady Katie mm-hmm. in all the news. I mean, talk about misogyny, right? Right. Like, in in the media. That was how she or middle class Middleton. And we were always, I think, anyone who was a royal watcher was always wondering who was William going to marry? Like, that was the thing. You know, who is going to be the future? Because it was going to be the future queen. And I distinctly remember uh, the moment I found out about their engagement. I I like to listen to local radio. I always have. It's a thing that I've inherited from my mother. And so I was listening to the local radio. And it like they had their little like news bolt, top of the hour news bolt in. And it was announced. And I, I literally, I was on the freeway. I was on the 405 in California. I screamed. Did you my swerve? Ha- my hands went off the wheel. And then I quickly realized that was a bad idea. Uh-huh. But like, that's, that's my story with Kate. So I've, that's you know, I, I've always had a fond place also- in my heart for her. I also love witnessing how much Kate has evolved and grown into this role. I think she was a pretty reserved, timid, nervous young woman when they first got engaged and sat down to do interviews. And Listeners, Google the BBC Prince William Kate Middleton engagement interview because the woman you see there, I mean, also this is 2011, we should say 2010, 2011, and very like you said timid very nervous looking to William for like reassurance while Mm -hmm. she's answering questions and she's not that person today she has really like blossomed into this very confident uh you know outspoken in her own ways within the the sort of parameters that she has to exist in as a member of the royal family but you know in command I would say yes and the picture of grace 
1000%. And I think a lot of, and that is, you know, uh, as we're going to discuss later with uh, our, our brilliant guest today, who is Zach Hussein. He is an official royal photographer who has seen Kate and Camilla and basically all the royals, Megan mm-hmm. included, up close and personal. Uh, he is going to talk a little bit about that grace and poise and, you know, how that influences the public opinion about her, certainly in Britain. So let's spill some royalty. This is Spilling Royalty, a podcast that follows the piping hot stories of the British royal family from London to Montecito, all the way to the upcoming coronation of King Charles. I'm Sean Mandel, a producer, pop culture devotee, and part-time royal correspondent. And I'm Maggie Van Dorn, the show's producer, Sean's biggest fan, and his occasional sidekick. In each episode, we will spill the tea, That's American for gossip. On the latest stories about the heir, the spare, and their kin. Tea will be served with some cultural context and history from across the pond that you can't go without. So without further ado, let's spill the royal tea. So I really want to get into our conversation today with Zach because uh, Zach is someone who I met at the royal wedding of Meghan and Harry. He has a perspective that few people have because he is on the ground with the royals, goes on tour with them, on like the same plane with them, meeting, the, being around them informally and casually. And that's not something that a lot of people you know, it's it's very few people have that opportunity. Um, but before we get into that, I just want to mention a few royal headlines because, as always, there's lots of royal news. I could go on and on about the headlines because there are always a ton. But these ones, I think, are really germane to our conversation. Uh, one of these is talking about Queen Camilla, who we're, we're going to discuss today. And uh, it's about her, quote-unquote, victory lap that she is getting at the coronation as viewed by, you know, her friends. This was a, a source that called her coronation, uh, her place of the coronation a victory lap because she has gone from being the other woman to being the queen consort. There are reports that she's also going to just be referred to as queen outright. They're going to drop the consort, you know, yeah. sort of uh, assignation. And the reason why it is beyond just that, beyond her being queen being a victory lap for her, but that her grandkids, who are teenagers, we should say, are actually going to have a very official role in the coronation. These are not members of the royal family. These are not royals. These are grandchildren from her marriage before she married Charles. This was the marriage she was in when she was having an affair with Charles. So she was married. Charles was married. Like, I think it's important to say. And... It's just remarkable to see that that is something that is happening today and Buckingham Palace is trying to spin it as, oh, this is a great example of the blended family, the modern blended family. (laughs) But, you know, that's not how everyone is seeing it. People are seeing it as Camilla flexing her power. Uh, so, and, and that image, you know, again, we're going to be talking a lot about images today and optics, uh, and how those influence our opinions and, uh, perceptions. And that is going to be a very, I think, important photo. Speaking of images, we also got a new one of Kate, George, Charlotte, and Louis, right? 
Yes, so in the UK, Mother's Day comes uh, not at the same time as in the US. It's, uh, you know, about a little more, it's a month and a half or so earlier than uh, in the US. And so for these type of events, they, Kate and William on their Instagram account always release some official portraits of the family that are very sort of Christmas card-like. And they, they do release their Christmas card every year as well. And I think it's really interesting because... Talking about optics and how you portray yourself, they always portray themselves, the uh, Kate and William and their family, in this very sort of uh, J. Crew catalog kind of way, you know, for <laughs> lack of a better description, uh, you know, in polos and, you know, checked button ups and jeans. And this photo was them in, you know, the three kids and Kate in a tree. Yeah. Um, <laughs> always a natural setting. Always a, nature is always involved in some way. And Kate is a photographer as well. So a lot of the photos that they share for these events, like their Christmas card and stuff like that, or the birthdays of their kids, are photos that Kate takes herself. So it's just interesting to notice how they like themselves to be perceived. Absolutely. And who doesn't care about how they are perceived? I mean, that's Instagram. <laughs> On this world stage that they occupy. Absolutely. So some other photos came out this week of Kate and William. Well, kind of. They were <laughs> Kate and William as they are being portrayed on The Crown. The uh, We're now getting to the final series, uh, final season of the Netflix series. And we've seen for the first time uh, an image of the actors playing William and Kate while they were in their college years, which was when they met. It's where, the, where their romance blossomed in Scotland. And so it's interesting that they are now they are now joining the foray of royals being portrayed on the show. And the way that the royals have been portrayed on the show, on The Crown, has been a conversation of... Uh, has been the center of much conversation and much debate. So I think it's going to be really interesting yeah. how they come across, what stories the writers of The Crown choose to focus on, uh, and how that might be received by William and Kate and members of the British public. So I am eagerly awaiting. It uh, is a new era, that is for sure. Exactly. Uh, you know... It, it's it's been many years since they met, but it's just funny because, you know, I just never would have personally thought that I would see William and Kate portrayed in anything other than a Lifetime movie. And now we have Peter Morgan and, the you know, uh, and the <laughs> yeah. crown doing it. Yeah. So I'm I'm tuned in. Buckle up. So those are some of the big royal headlines this week. I think you all should be paying attention to. We're going to take a quick ad break. And then right after you're going to hear my interview with official royal photographer Zach Hussein. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So, 
Today, we have a very special guest, a friend of mine who I haven't had the chance to talk to in a minute. So this is a great excuse for me to get to have a chat with him. We have Zach Hussein. He's an official royal photographer. Uh, he's been following the royals for many years and no doubt has some, some fun stories to tell, some fun observations that he's uh, taken in over the years. So uh, without further ado, Zach, Welcome to the podcast. Hello. Hi, Sean. Good to <laughs> <It's>, be here. <laughs> it's so good to be talking to you again. It's been way too long. Yeah, it has. It's been a, a few years. It's been a pandemic since the last time I, I saw you or spoke to you, actually. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, like a few other of my friends that we're talking to on the pod, you know, we met at the royal wedding in 2018 with Meghan and Harry. Uh, and, you know, we were talking a little bit before we got started here today about the journey that we've gone on with the Royals uh, up until today and how it really just isn't something that I think. And I mean, I didn't see coming. I mean, I don't know if you, you know, felt that we'd be in as dramatic of a place now um, as we are. No, um, I think when Megan came on the scene, we were everyone was super excited, right? Like, um we thought that this is going to be a new era for the Royals. It's going to be exciting. We've got this glamorous American that's coming into the British Royal family. It's, you know, it's a super exciting time. And everyone was just really looking forward to see what would happen once she came on the scene. And, well, we all know what happened now. And it's certainly nothing that anyone thought would happen at all. <laughs> no, not at all. You have a very, uh, you know, uh, interesting background uh, to put you uniquely uh, in a position to sort of uh, view the royals and, uh, you know, understand them a little bit better because, you know, photographing the royal family is kind of a family business for you, right? Yeah, sure. Like my dad um, is a royal photographer. He, was, he started photographing them in the 70s all the way through the whole Diana years, you know, beyond her death and into the, you know, the William and Harry all, all the way through. So I've come from that background and my brother's a royal photographer as well. So, you know, I'm surrounded <laughs> by royal photography, you know, it's, uh, it's kind of in the blood. Over the years, have there been any moments that particularly stuck out for you, you know, being there to photograph them, to witness them, to maybe see something that you didn't expect? Because you also have, you know, as a royal photographer, you have uh, more access and you're more up close, you know, to these people than, you know, 99% of the world is is ever going to be. And I think broadly speaking, the times when I really see what I think are the real characters of the royals is when they go on tour. So you get like William and Kate and they'll go to say India or somewhere and you, and you really see a different side of them that you definitely don't see in the UK because in the UK they're in their home country. They're used to everything, you know, everything's kind of normal because that's their home country. But when you take them out of the UK and you put them in a completely different world, you see kind of, they have the same kind of, you know, like they're looking at the world in the same way that we are. So say they're going to India that for the first time they're looking at going wow look at this you know in the same way that anyone would go to a country so you do see that kind of side side to them when they're overseas which i get to see and you might get snippets of it on video like on the news but you're not really seeing the reaction the real reactions that you get to see when you're on tour with them 
when you're on tour with them, you know, and you see them in these literally foreign environments, like, is it that they are kind of like the rest of us, you know, if we were to go to a foreign environment, like being not tourists per se, but sort of, you know, like taking it, it all in and they're not as sort of stiff and formal because they're not in that sort of familiar fishbowl. Like, do you find that that's kind of the case? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And, and from a photographic point of view, you always get better pictures when they're on Royal Tours. Always. Mm. If you look at pictures from Royal Tours, they're always letting their guard down. They're always laughing. They're getting involved with things, you know, whether it's, I don't know, like doing archery or all these kind of crazy, you know, not that crazy, but, you know, the things they do on tours, you get to see, you know, if they mess something up, they'll be laughing because, they, you know, they're not perfect at the end right. of the day. They're the same as us in a kind of way, maybe they're right. not, but they are, but you know, they still make mistakes. So it's, it's interesting to see that side of them. And like, for example, um, when we were in Bhutan uh, with William and Kate, Kate was going, we were going around this monastery, which was absolutely stunning, like in the middle of, you know, nowhere. And there were certain points where they go off and do their own thing without cameras. But, you know, during those moments, she had her own camera and she was going around like a tourist would be photographing you know, just photographing the place. So they do things that we do, you know? Yeah, it's it's funny because the, the Royal Tours, for that very reason, I think they are so important, right? Because, because those photos are so much more compelling, because they're more interesting, they're doing these sort of like, maybe sometimes wacky activities, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, like you mentioned, you know, India and uh, Pakistan, and that was, I think, uh, you know, it seemed to be a tour that did get, again, you know, like good, positive uh, attention, yeah. more or less. But then you have Will and Kate's tour of the Caribbean, you know, recently, where you have, you know, these photos that are reminiscent of a colonial era. You have, yeah. you know, Kate and William, like, standing up in this vehicle, you know, riding around, sort of inspecting yeah. the troops and, you know, Kate <laughs> shaking hands through... Uh, you know, uh, a mesh fence. I mean, yeah, is... it was unfortunate uh, imagery that came out of it. I mean, I was there and it, yes, those things happened, but it was unfortunately, it was, it put a negative spin on things where a lot of positive things happened on that tour. Right. Yeah, it's, but, it, it speaks to the power of those images, right? Of like what yeah, you do. I mean, that thing through the fence, shaking hands through the fence, I was there and it, it was... It was quite innocent how it happened. Like right. it was, they didn't realize it's very different to them riding around in an open top Land Rover, which was much more pre-planned. This was like they were playing a game of soccer, um, and there was just this fence around. Just the, it was there anyway. It was just right. like why, and the guys in the you know local area come just to watch it. And I think William and Kate were just trying to do you know just doing a royal walkabout and they were trying to meet the locals and shake hands with them and you know even being there at the time it didn't even cross our minds when we were seeing it happen that that was kind of wrong. that it was going to be perceived exactly in, in the way that it was exactly exactly and it was kind of twisted in a way i mean that happened but it wasn't the reality in my eyes of what actually was happening at that moment in time so it's kind of a shame that it got twisted in that way, in my opinion. So 
that's interesting to know that like it's the sense on the ground then was not like among the you know photographers was not like there wasn't you know uh, the sort of salivating at this picture that you know was juicy because it was going to be interpreted this way it seems like you know from what you're saying you know people on the ground there weren't really uh you know weren't even perceiving it that way I mean, there were journalists there that obviously did on the ground, like you say, they 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 saw it and they wrote the story. So they right. did write it. But from a photography point of view, right. personally, maybe I'm being naive. I personally didn't see it that way at all. Now, that is different to the other picture, that very colonial looking picture of them in that old Land Rover. And that's that's pre-planned. And that that was, you know, unfortunate that they that should not have happened. And that could have been avoided. Whereas right. the, shaking hands through the fence was something that just happened organically. It wasn't pre-planned. It was just them trying to, it was a very jolly mood, jovial mood. Everyone was having a great time. The photographers having a great time. Everyone, they were playing Bob Marley music. It was a really, really cool day that. And for it to get spun that way, I think is kind of unfair towards uh, William and Kate because it it just wasn't like that. That's, That's my opinion. And that's one of the things that I take away from that tour that I'm annoyed about is that particular image, Mm. which I can see how it's perceived when you're at home and you see that picture. I can totally see, okay, you know, I can see how it looks, but I don't think it was like that. Yeah, I think it's so interesting, you know, again, like the power of those optics and like out of the context, right? It it can take on its own life, you know, that isn't even really necessarily uh, seen in that moment. Um, So I think a lot of people might not realize that there is this relationship between the press officers who work for various members of the royal family uh, and royal photographers uh, because they provide guidance, uh, you know, to the royal photographers and some information up front. Is that, you know, a correct sort of uh, assessment of of how that sort of plays out? We we know what's going to happen beforehand, if you know what I mean. So we'll 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 get briefed on what's going to happen at an event within reason, um, but generally we can we don't have any say particularly before an event happens so for example with the land rover incident just using it as an example because we're talking about it um you know the day before we couldn't have said look don't do that we don't have right. that we don't have that kind of power um, right. but for example the only kind of situation we might be able to do is if they say right the photographers are going to stand over there um you know and they're going to photograph this event happening we can then go look this is not going to work. You, you know, we know we want positive images. We need to stand here, for example, to get this kind of shot. That's kind of as far as it goes with what control we have. Um, it's generally based on photographs rather than what they do. Um, in terms of their itinerary and what William and Kate actually do, um, of course, the press office come up with these ideas. But ultimately, William and Kate have the final say. They, They're going to do what they want to do. Well, they are, but I guess they can also say, I'm not doing that. Right. Um, so it does also raise questions that they would have known that this was happening. That, you know, right. uh, as much as I, I am, I do really like William and Kate, and I think they're doing a great job, and I think they're very good at what they do. Uh, you know, occasionally they get it wrong. And to me, that should have rung alarm bells, because they're not stupid people. They know, they've studied history, you know. Right. 
Right. And they seem to be very, you know, generally concerned about, you know, making sure that they don't, again, reflect a certain image that is not fitting with the times, you know, that we live in. And uh, by that as well, I think, I mean, the understanding of how the smallest thing, you know, the smallest item can be misconstrued. And William and Kate, you know, they're, they're PR savvy. They grew up around social media, the same as us, you know, they come from that younger generation who are aware of the importance of image and how easily that's transmitted through social media or just through imagery. So, you know, like, it is slight naivety on their part to not be on the ball with that and not, you know, it should ring alarm bells to me. Yeah. I mean, and I think that, you know, to your point about social media, you know, we just had Kate, you know, release the William and Kate release their Mother's Day, you know, photo. And it's, it's very fitting with what, you know, the type of photos that they always have right around the holidays or any sort of special birthdays. They're wearing, you know, sort of very plain clothes, like, you know, yeah, polo jeans yeah. up in a tree, very nature. It's really contrived, you know. It's totally contrived. It's kind of this right. perfect it's... family, but <laughs> exactly. people love it though. They lap it up. Everyone oh, it. <laughs> the headlines about her are like, Kate's oh, yeah. the future it's of funny. the monarchy," and without her, everything would you oh, know yeah. would collapse. And like you know, they get it right most of the time. You know, they they know what they're doing. So with Meghan and Harry uh, versus William and Kate, as it's sort of been, you know portrayed and put out there not only in the media but by Harry himself you know like he's talked about that uh that sort of rivalry in uh, his memoir spare I I was just wondering you know there are these rival or you know very different images that have been painted of Megan and Kate right like you know Kate being sort of stiff um very formal very uh, maybe a little bit rigid uh, in Harry's version or in Megan's yeah. version um and Megan being the sort of more casual free flowing american as we said in the ripped jeans and you know barefoot uh yeah. and having you know asking Kate for some lip gloss and Kate yeah. allegedly being you know uh appalled <laughs> yeah. by uh, that request I- i'm wondering you know from your perspective having photographed both women you know um up close uh what your sense of them is in terms of are those narratives fair and you know uh, how are, are they being portrayed you know in terms of their character uh in the media you know i think firstly they come from very different backgrounds right mm. so um you know kate's english on a basic level kate's english and megan's american right so the, the whole background and the whole kind of culture is different on so there's that anyway because you know the british way is very different to the american way right, right. so there's always going to be that difference in them as characters i think in terms of kate i think it's difficult because i think she's got kind of two roles to play because she's future queen and she knows she's future queen so she can't especially in the public be this kind of extrovert person she's got to kind of toe the line to a certain degree so you know I think people will see that side of her and think maybe that's how she is all the time and I'm sure you know as soon as she's finished work as such and goes home and she kicks her shoes off she's not like that right you know 
look, there's, we've all seen pictures of Kate falling out of nightclubs and stuff. So, you know, when she was younger. So it's not right. Like she, oh, I love those photos. Exactly. So, you know, it's not like she doesn't know how to party. Right. Um, um, but it's so, interesting because Harry and Meghan seem to be saying that she is like that all the time. Yeah, I, I don't think that's I don't think that's an accurate description. But hey, look, I'm not I haven't been that close up to her in the same way that Harry has. But he's clearly biased in his opinion. He's right. going to defend his wife. That is, is understandable. You know, that's what people you know, you will defend your your wife in that situation. But I think he's been very unfair, in my opinion. He's painted a a, a picture of her that in a way that she has no way to defend herself anyway. So, right. you know. What's been your impression of uh, Megan up close and personal? Obviously it's been, you know, maybe a few years since she's been in the fold as a, as a working member of the Royal family, but you were on the tour, you know, um, with uh, her and Harry uh, in Australia, New Zealand. Uh, you know, I'm curious if there's anything that maybe comes through close that you might not guess or or see just from you know a still photograph or just like a, a quick clip on the news yeah I mean I think seeing watching her in on tour meeting people I think you know there's she's got a warm heart you know she is she does have that kind of touch element that Diana had and you know Kate has as well so I I, I think you know as much as there's this negative energy around her a lot of the time she's also a warm person you know she 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 was good at what she did yeah as a, as a duchess she was very good at what she did and she if she you know kept that role I think she would have been great going forward so let's talk a little bit about another royal woman uh, who was for a long time known as the other woman uh, Camilla, now the queen consort, you know, she has gone from being the mistress, the, you know, sort of villain in the fairy tale uh, yeah. of, you know, Charles and Diana to being now well liked by, you know, the majority uh, of Britons. I wonder, you know, how, uh, you know, for you and, you know, your family, how you've sort of seen that play out as like a long game because it has been you know a steady long game for her hasn't it yeah I mean she's she's gone from so hated to it's happened so slowly this transition that it's almost like you haven't seen it it's kind of crept up on you to you suddenly realize where we are now and she's queen consul I mean if you'd said that years ago when the whole affair thing came up people would have gone absolutely no way the anger towards her was just off the scale so to go from that to where she is now where people aren't even talking about it's just Diana accepted it's just not even you know even the you know big royalists the, the big diana fans they don't really seem to have huge issue about it so it's incredible how she's done it and watching her and having met her she is a really 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 nice person one of the nicest royals I've met. Really? Without a doubt. She's she's a lovely, lovely person. I really like Camilla. She seems she to have be, also like a wicked sense of humor. She's just, yeah, she's down to earth. She's fun. She's, I really like her. Um, and she's one of the only royals that kind of acknowledge the press. So when we um, are at an event photographing her, she always kind of, turns and says hello and acknowledges the photographer so that you get a nice picture of her she looks down 
the lenses. She plays so the game. She plays the game and she plays it very well. And it doesn't seem contrived at all. I think she is just a nice person. That's in front of the camera and, you know, when she's not, you know, working as such. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm actually a big Camilla fan. Do you think that it Camilla has been savvy and, you know, maybe even strategic in how she has presented herself to the public over the last, you know, 20 years as she's gone on this sort of image rehabilitation journey? Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's I think it's a combination of things. Yes, of course, she was is well aware of the way the public thought of her. So, of course, she had to, um, you know, play the game as such and keep her head down and just keep chipping away at it. But I think also, which is is important to say as well, is that um, I think over time people have understood that she is actually quite nice. That's come across that she's mm. quite nice. And she's got that sense of humour that the British people really like. Partly, you know, a strategic thing. But on the other side, I think it's just her personality is coming across and people like her. They realise they like her. So Camilla is self-aware about a lot of things, but it seems like there was a moment recently where she may have missed the mark and not been uh, so self-aware, or at least that was a conversation that was happening on social media, which happened at Commonwealth Day, uh, which for our listeners who don't know is a day that celebrates and brings together communities from all the Commonwealth nations uh, in the UK, which, you know, cover from uh, Africa to the Caribbean to Oceania. It's uh, it's a large collective of of these different nations uh, who uh, still have the uh, many of them have the British sovereign as their head of state. So there was it was a very windy day at Westminster Abbey. You were there, I believe. I saw some of your beautiful photographs of Kate uh, <laughs> looking stunning as as always. Uh, and there was a moment where Queen Consort Camilla was with Charles arriving and about to be going into uh, the Abbey. And there were some Maori performers there. Uh, you know, doing a, a traditional uh, sort of dance performance for them. And <laughs> Camilla seemed to be worried about her hat blowing, blowing off because it was quite blustery. And she very just sort windy. of, yeah. very windy. Yeah. She acknowledged them for a second and then quickly yeah. ran. Scuttled off, yeah. <laughs> scuttled off. Charles stayed. I mean, he didn't have to worry about a hat staying on. No. So, but it mm. was, you know, sort of, uh, there were conversations about it on social media and people, you know, saying that she disrespected, you know, these, you know, Ma these Maori performers. And I was just wondering, you know, uh, in terms of, again, the optics and you being on the ground for that, what your perception of it was on that day? And well, from my point of view, it, it was very simple. It was a very, very windy day. She's wearing a hat and she did what I think what felt natural. And I don't know what you saw of it. Um, on TV or wherever you saw it, but it was happening right in front of me. She kind of um, was standing there and then she went up two or three steps and then stood there watching it. So, okay, she didn't stand right in front next to Charles, but she it's not like she went inside and totally ignored it either. She was there, um, right. just slightly more sheltered position to watch it from. It's so interesting because we can see how powerful these small things can become and you know how arguably they can be taken 
out of context mm-hmm. uh, and, and seen in this completely different way. And, it, it, you know, I, I wonder if you feel this way that people can often use images to confirm their own lens. What, that you mean that people will see that and go, oh, I knew Camilla was like that. Right. I think that it's sort of that thing of where if you if you're disposed towards a negative opinion of the royal family or Camilla, you're going to see that image or the image. It's going to reconfirm. It's going to reconfirm what you already thought. Right. Confirmation bias, you know. Yeah, Yeah, sure. One final question. What do you think we should be looking for in terms of images or what happens on the day of the coronation? Well, firstly, um, Let's hope it doesn't rain. <laughs> always a pro- always a risk, right? Well, in, in England, it's always a risk, yeah. Um, I mean, <laughs> just saying that, yeah, I mean, that would be a complete disaster for pictures. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a, it's, it's a major, major, major event. Um, and I, I think there's the, the image that springs to everyone's mind is the crown being placed on his head on Charles's head. I mean, that is the image that will stand the test of time. But then there's going to be all these other elements to it. They're going to go out on the balcony at Buckingham Palace. So it'll be a a long day of different events. There'll be a carriage procession. So in terms of one particular image, from my point of view, it's quite hard to pin one down that is really going to um, summarise it. You know, there might an image will come out that we haven't even thought about that might really, Mm. really like totally show the the moment and the you know it could be a picture of um Charles and Camilla just looking at each other and smiling it could be something really candid that everyone jumps hold of and goes Prince Louis Prince (laughs) Louis he's good at it (laughs) but you know what I mean it's not necessarily the classic picture of the crown and it could be something more um, casual and can't yeah casual that um becomes like the image that we all remember Right. The defining sort of uh, photo that we will think of when we think of the coronation. Yeah. And hopefully I'm the guy that takes it. I know you will be. There's no (laughs) doubt in my mind. You will be. And then we're going to have you back on to talk all about it. Oh, yeah, of course. Zach, thank you so much for making time and bearing with my incessant questions. Uh, I really appreciate it. And it's so good to be chatting with you again. Yeah, same. That was such a great conversation with it really Zach. Was. It really and was. I just feel so lucky that, you know, he shared his perspective with us because he just has that access that none of us have. And I'm sure there's, I know for a fact, there are many things he can't tell me or tell us uh, about his interactions, you know, with the members of the royal family. But what even what he can share, I just think is you know, so interesting and adds so much more color to what we think we know about the royals. Yeah, I am still thinking about the description that Harry offers us in Spare when he Mm. says that he had looked at all of these glossy, glamorous photos of Meghan uh, online, you know, before their first date. And then seeing her in the flesh in person, it felt Mm. like a kick in the throat. Like she was just so staggeringly beautiful. And I, I think that moment sticks with me because we only see them 
kind of in, in those 2D. photographs. Yeah, in yeah. these photographs. And yet, who are the people that are that close to them, you know, capturing them in real life? It's and what do like they that. see? Yeah, yeah. And what do they see? And also, you know, what is beyond the frame? The context. You know, that we get. Yeah, the context, the additional context. And I think Zach just did an awesome job uh, bringing us into that world and showing us the context, the contours, um, and the moments that are just not captured as well on film. And I think that's really important for us to think about because it's something that Harry talks about, right? Like he's talked about all the articles that were written about the salacious parts of his book and them being taken out of context. And I think we do, we do need to think about these powerful images in context uh, because it seems to be more nuanced than maybe we would would like to admit on, on first glance. Absolutely. Well, that's going to be it for this week. But we're going to be back next week with more royal news because it doesn't stop. No it matter. It just keeps on coming. It just keeps on coming. And we're getting closer to the coronation. So seems like news is going to just continue to bubble up. And a lot of our questions, I think, are going to have to be answered about Meghan and Harry, who's attending, uh, and what kind of drama we're going to see. So look forward to chatting with you all next week. Spilling Royalty is a production of the TMZ Audio Network. It's produced by Maggie Van Dorn. Wild Young is our in-studio producer. Make sure you never miss an episode and subscribe or follow Spilling Royalty on your favorite podcast app. And if you like the show, share it with a friend or someone you know who likes to spill the tea. You can also help us grow the podcast by rating and reviewing Spilling Royalty on Apple Podcasts. I'm your host, Sean Mandel. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk next week.